and welcome into another podcast episode for Codings Pro Magazine. I'm Stephanie Chizik and I'm Editor-in-Chief of Codings Pro. Today we have with us Dr. Tiffany Reed and she is a diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging consultant for Inclusion P365. Dr. Reed has 12 years of experience working to transform diversity centers and workplace communities, create inclusion initiatives and build a community of empathy and care while simultaneously advocating and bringing awareness to the narratives and experiences of underrepresented employees. Narratives speak to her commitment and passion to diversity, equity, inclusion. I wanted to make sure I got all that in there. Dr. Reed, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me. Why don't we go ahead and start by just giving everyone a bit of your background um, and how you got into this type of work. And then I think we'll be able to loop that into maybe why our codings contractors are should be interested in, in this type of work. Absolutely. So um, Dr. Tiffany Reed, I use she, her pronouns. Um, I spent the last 12 years in the higher education education realm. And so whether that is working with campus partners, campus constituents, stakeholders, students, faculty, and the community um, has been really my passion, right? And so when I first started in this field, uh, I did a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work from a residential life perspective. So how students were transitioning on campus living on campus with a multitude of different backgrounds and really thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion in and outside of the classroom, but looking at it from a top-down approach. So what does our training look like for our campus leaders? What did our training look like for our campus stakeholders and partners? And sometimes what we've realized is that we spend so much of our time making sure that a lot of our students had this development around inclusion understanding equity, understanding belonging. But that gap was they were going into the workplace and a lot of our workplaces really wasn't thinking about diversity as a whole perspective and then thinking of that action perspective of inclusion. And so, uh, you know, I spent 12 years, whether it was doing training, helping develop diversity centers, um, in and outside of the classroom, working with our campus partners and so thinking about that from a social economic perspective uh, for institutions and lo really looking at how predominantly white institutions were preparing um, some of our global citizens, which is our students, to go into the workforce. And so I started at the University of Pittsburgh where, and then worked my way. Now I'm at Indiana State University um, where I oversee the Charles E. Brown African American Culture Center as well as faculty in our student affairs higher education program. And being in and outside of the classroom, you get to hear from professionals um, sometimes who never had this developmental training. Sometimes it's just going along, right? and not realizing that workplace trauma sometimes can stem from microaggressions, unconscious bias, lack of inclusive language. And so about a year or so ago, I started Inclusion P365. And the reason why is because I want to know why isn't being inclusive a priority 365 days of the year? We see this where companies are having their MLK Day of Service or celebrating Women's History Month, um, or currently now we're going into May and that's Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Mm -hmm. But we realized that we were just saying it that. But then I was thinking, like, inclusivity should happen every day. 
when we think about that new staff member who's starting on onboarding, when we think about the recruitment process, and really looking at the blinders that can be happening even from the application process all the way to the boardroom. And so what I've realized is that a lot of companies in the workplace field are not realizing that inclusivity, diversity, equity, and include um, the belonging perspective shouldn't be an add-on. It should be woven through the entire work experience and not just doing the onboarding training, but how are we thinking about day-to-day -day conversations around current topics, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started uh, my company, I was realizing, you know, when you work at the University of Pittsburgh, that's a very high-level engineering program, had a lot of students who were going into the workplace, but they were getting there and realizing that their companies that they were working for wasn't ready for them to dive into those conversations. And so I wanted to think of a company that was really thinking about bridging the gap, bridging the gap of what's happening in and outside of the classroom on, on these college campuses and really helping some of our workplace cultures understand that we're preparing these global citizens' mindset. And so how can I help you and your company understand that the inclusive workforce is something that should start from the top down but be woven through the entire experience? And so um, I think with this type of work that I've been working on is that I've seen a spark due to, you know, the recent event. When we think about COVID-19 and having to be quarantined for almost a year, I think if we did not have COVID-19 and being quarantined, it would have not allowed society to pause and pay attention of what was happening with George Floyd. And now we see companies like, oh my gosh, we didn't have a diversity inclusion statement. Oh, we don't even have this training. And so it's like now it's become the forefront of this is what needs to be happening, be happening, but it should have already been happening. So now what we don't want is just to make it performative allyship or performative performative belonging, we want it to be authentic. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important for me is to help companies to meet them where they are. This is not the opportunity when we think about diversity, um, diversity, inclusion, equity, and a belonging that we should shame a company for not knowing something or shame an individual uh, for not understanding where they are in their social identity development. It's more so how can I call you in, meet you where you are, and really want to build the passion around the priority of inclusivity, which is where Inclusion P365 came from. I think so much of what you just said is amazing. And one of the things that really sticks with me is that what you're saying, it sounds like is this should not be a box that someone checks once and then walks away. Like you said, it has to be woven into their culture. Yes, yes. Because when you think about the workplace culture, we say we want different people at the table. But do we know how to interact with different people? When you scroll down your Facebook group, it's everyone from the same background, same neighborhood, same education background, same workspace background. How inclusive and how diverse are we when we can't even, we have to self-reflect, right? I always do this training where it's like, well, let's do the self-work, the homework, and the work work. It starts with yourself. Everyone has unconscious bias. Everyone has even exuded and experienced the microaggression. Everyone has blinders, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody knows what it's like to be excluded about something. But the goal is, if you recognize that in-group versus out-group, how are you being intentional? Being intentional when it comes to creating 
spaces, brave spaces for people to not have to bend to fit in in your, in your workplace environment when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. How are you evaluating your culture dynamics at work? Because if you're telling someone that they have to come in and fit into a narrative, into a box, you're creating robots. Mm-hmm. And the goal is, I want you at this table because of your di- different narrative. I want you at this table because you have a different perspective. I want you at this table because you have a completely different background. But what we have to do is be, uh, I don't want you just here because of that, because I don't want to tokenize you. I want to celebrate you. I want to hear you. And I want to believe that your narrative is the truth and not having to compare it to mine. And I think that's really important when we think about the, the divert, having diverse work um, forces is because, we want so many people to have a different perspective, but we don't know how to train and develop for people to adapt to different. Right? Yeah. I like to tell people, let's get comfortable. Let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It, when you think of that math class and you're struggling to get that equation done, that's when learning happens. When you're feeling discomfort to talk about uh, a racial experience, a sexual orientation experience, or like myself, I am a black woman right, a person with a disability, with an invisible disability, I want to be able to come in and be my full self. Mm-hmm. But I have to bring my full self to the table, and I want you to bring your full self. And not generalizing someone's identity at the table. And so that's where we have to think about everyone has blinders. And how do we hold each other accountable when a blinder becomes a barrier, comes a barrier with promotion? comes a barrier with engagement, and become, ends up becoming a barrier within your product. When you think about the product and who you're, when you think of your consumers, your consumers are diverse. But when you think about your product is how are we making sure that if I am thinking about something that I have multiple people uh, at the table, you know, who are going to give me a different perspective. And so, and, know how, and knowing that their perspective is valued, needed, and appreciated. And so that's really important is we don't want companies checking a box. We don't want companies to just think like, you know, okay, we had this happen this summer. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that companies are reevaluating their policies and procedures that could be oppressive to various communities. I'm so thankful that companies are reevaluating language that's non-inclusive. And I'm so glad that companies are understanding like, wow, we have been so on the blind, blinded by um, the privilege of having the same mindset in the same space. So we have to welcome difference. We have to. That's what that was. That's what our product will continue to grow. Our product will continue to advance because we're not just thinking about one particular customer. We're thinking about everyone. And I think from the educational perspective is. Our customers are a wide range of different students, right, with multiple different backgrounds coming from multiple different socioeconomic perspectives. So that allows us to have not just this belonging uh, advancement, but it also helps to think about from an equitable perspective. So how are we thinking about equitable opportunity across the board? And I think it's very important for companies who really want to advance their company is to think of not just diversity, the inclusion, but equity and belonging. Everyone wants to have a sense of belonging in their workplace where they can be their full, unapologetic, authentic selves. I think you just, I mean, 
I think you just gave a really good overview too of so many things. But one of the things that I keep coming back to is the why. Like, you know, we should care about this because we want to be good people and good humans. And, um, but Mm -hmm. in addition to that, you know, that's internal as far as I'm concerned, but there's also an external why. And I think you just did a really good job of kind of touching on why our listeners should care about this externally is because it could have an impact on your business, on the people who you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. your customers, your clients, your products. Um, I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. that was such an amazing way to just put that. And I just, I want to, I want to just make one note right now just for our listeners, because I think that um, one key important difference might be that a lot of the people coming into this industry, the, the contracting industry, might not be coming from a higher education stand, like their background might not be higher mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. but that doesn't change mm-hmm. the need um, and the and the the diversity of the workforce that could be coming in, you know, straight from trade schools mm-hmm. or straight from just uh you know, a general uh, workforce, so to speak. So I, I think I just want to make that that clarification that just because you so it, just because a listener hears higher education college does not mean this does not this does not apply to them. This absolutely still applies. Yes, absolutely. It's just this was my walk of life, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so you know whether I'm meeting someone from the trade perspective, whether you know your your path was completely different. Um, and not wanting to pursue an advanced degree, that doesn't matter. You're working every day with people. You should know how to work with a wide range of different people. And validating and appreciating, which goes back to that sense of belonging, and ties directly to inclusivity. And so that is some of the things that are not being – so we train from customer service, but we don't train from an inclusive mindset when it comes to customer service. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that makes us have to think about how are you interacting with people from all walks of life? How are you how, and how are you recognizing when bias shows up? Right. Mm-hmm. And how are you being who's holding you accountable? And so that's really important for people to know that accountability, awareness and action is woven through the experience around diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging. So I have to be aware of my own identity. I have to be aware of others' identities, right? Mm-hmm. The action part is if I am recognizing microaggressions, non-inclusive language, not being supportive of one community, understanding what allyship looks like, how can my company really take the next step? Because I am unintentionally creating barriers that can be someone feeling that they are oppressed at work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so and when, they, when we say being oppressed at work is, look at your policies and procedures. Was it the same type of people who helped create those? Or did you have a wide range of different people with different walks of life, different backgrounds, different narratives at the table? That is how you get a chance to think even And then when you add even more diverse to your company, how are you thinking about adding their perspective and hearing their thoughts? That's why it's very, very important when I say it's a top-down approach is seeing where your CEO, your VP, your C-suite, your managers, your supervisors, where is the diversity, equity, and inclusion belonging for their ongoing development? It cannot start just with our day-to-day individuals who are working on operations. It cannot just start there. 
Because what we're pretty much saying is that we don't want to role model the behavior. So how are we role modeling inclusivity? I always tell my staff, I would never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean just, oh, but that means that if I am trying to push myself into spaces where I'm going to talk about my identity, my race, my gender, uh, ability, uh, and I want, I want to show that I can lean in as well. Vulnerability equals strength. And how are we creating this culture of empathy and understanding that your walk of life and the narratives and experiences that you're navigating is your truth? And, I, and my walk of life is my truth. So how am I thinking of that and understanding like, wow, you know what, Dr. Reed, you know, she has to navigate multiple microaggressions, right? Multiple microaggressions every day. It's you- not a day that I don't talk about race. Can and I'll give you an example. Oh, of I was just going to say, I was just going to say, could you give our listeners an example? Sorry. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, no worries. So uh, a market aggression is I can be in a room full of individuals and they'll continue to call me Tiffany. Well, my name is Dr. Reed. Mm-hmm. That's one thing too. Or if someone says, oh my gosh, you're just so articulate. You're mm. just, you, you know, you speak so well. What does that mean? Am I not supposed to speak well? Mm-hmm. Are you expecting me or, not to speak oh well? My, mm-hmm. And you're expecting me not to speak well. Oh, my gosh. You're just so, you, you know, you're not like all the other black people. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my gosh. Can I touch your hair? Mm. I love your hair. And then you reach and touch my hair as if I'm a pet, mm-hmm. as if I'm not a human being, as if I'm giving you consent to put your hands on me. Right? Yeah. Or, you know, if it's, the, the Moses says, you know, we're all, we're all human. I don't see any color. Mm-hmm. When you to say that, you, you, you erase my identity. You erase a huge part of me. You erase something that I navigate every day in every, in every workspace. You know, I, I really want people to understand that microaggressions show up all the time. So as I mentioned, I'm a person with an invisible disability. You sure you don't look like you have a disability? Mm-hmm. That's a microaggression. Yeah. Or if someone discloses to you, hey, you know, I have anxiety or depression. Oh, you look, you look normal. Mm-hmm. What does normal mean? Right? Or, or yeah. people say, where are you really from? When people say, where are you really from? Mm-hmm. When you even ask that question, when you think that's an icebreaker, you're othering someone. You're othering someone as if they, they don't belong. Even though that's, and I've always, I tell companies all the time, like, start asking, where's home? Mm. Home means home is different. Home yeah. brings in like, wow, home looks different um, in different cultures and different perspectives. And your home definition is different from mine. But when you ask me, where am I from? You're already insinuating that I'm not from here. You're already making me feel like I'm an outsider. And so these are just a few, multi, you know, microaggressions that it's very, and my, most people don't know, microaggressions are subtle insults with hidden messages that exude and tie into and perpetuate stereotypes. Right. You, you indicating I'm articulate is as if I am an uneducated person of color. Right, yeah. It's so the message. Things some things that think, it's the message. And so it's really a backhanded compliment, mm-hmm. right? And it happens every day. It happens every day. It, it, and what people don't understand is we unintentionally 
teach those around us when we don't call in that person and disarm it. Because now I have to navigate through my mind and discern, did I just experience that? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Should I say something? And so now, then now I feel comfortable enough to say something and someone says, no, Bob is awesome. He has a good heart. There's no way he's, that he would ever say anything like that. Mm-hmm. He didn't you know, mean you it. Know, I understand. And so now he didn't mean it that way. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a good person. Well, every, well, if we want to be, you know, cliche, everybody should be a good person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the, the action didn't happen. So I've unintentionally gaslit you. Now I am making you second guess your own experience. I've unintentionally created this anxiety. Now I'm going to shut down and work. And now it's going to be hard for me to engage with anybody because now are you going to be thinking about that microaggression all the time? And so it's our goal in our companies is how do we disarm them and disarm them from a space of this is a time for me to help have a teachable moment. Everybody, and I think that's really important. I don't care if you're the president of the company down to the janitor. Everybody can learn. And this is why I think this is just the educator in me, is that everybody is a student. You have not arrived. <laughs> no <Right>. one has, <laughs> especially, when it comes, especially when it comes to being even more inclusive. No, I learn even more every day. And so I get, go into spaces, into companies, and really try to help them understand is that I don't want to belittle you. I don't want to shame you. I don't want you to feel like you're the worst person ever. I want you to understand I need you to engage. I need you to lean in. I need you to lean into that discomfort. I don't need you to shut down because there's been a lot of people who've been shutting down due to microaggressions, due to the non-inclusive language, due to the bias. So you recognize it's a privilege not to engage. Right. But the goal is I want you to recognize that and be able to say, you know what, this is, this is a barrier. I need to move this barrier out the way and I need to get in. I need to help be a part of the thread that is going to be woven through the entire company experience around inclusivity. I want to be a part of this impact. But that's, that's just like I tell students and company um, executives, homework is every day. Yeah. Homework is every day. I mean, you said you have that to do makes the you uncomfortable, yeah. right? Yeah. And we avoid uncomfortability like it's nothing. Oh, I don't want to say anything. I'm going to let it go. Mm-hmm. But you continuing to let it go, you're teaching people that that behavior and that culture is a norm in your company. And that, that's how they'll treat their, everyone else, too, I would think, too. You know, I'm yep. gonna, if I'm going to teach my own, t- if I'm going to treat my own people like that, of course, I'm going to treat my customers and clients the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. You and know, so you, we just, we want to roll. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Stephanie. you're, I was just going to say, you mentioned something about, um, about, uh, oh, I'm colorblind. And that really made me think too, cause that was kind of the, the rhetoric, you know, maybe 20 years ago, oh, you know, everyone, mm-hmm. well, not everyone, but you know, a, a lot of people were kind of just like, oh, I'm colorblind. I don't see that. And what it makes me think is, is how, how this type of work really has evolved over time. Can you, can you speak to that at all? And mm-hmm. where, maybe where you think it is, it's going to be moving to in the future? Um, I think people are going to be more, recognizing what that language looks like and understanding that 
by saying you don't see color means I, I don't see that you are, you're a Latinx individual. I, you're saying I'm dismissing that the fact that you may come from a different, you know, cultural background or cultural narrative, and I'm lumping you together. I'm generalizing you, right, and not realizing, well, my race being identifying as a black woman is something that I navigate every day. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm navigating that every day and you take that away, it's more so you're erasing me. You're erasing my experience. You're erasing my skill set. You're erasing uh, because my identity is woven through my skill set. It's woven through my narrative. And so I think now we're going to see more companies who are being intentional with their diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging training to be able to help call in um, staff members to understand, like, no, we recognize that we have only five people of color on staff. And our staff is 100, and there's only five. Mm-hmm. And we cannot continue to lean on only those five individuals to help us understand our diversity initiative. To, we're, general, we're, we're tokenizing them to speak about certain narratives around uh, people of color. And so that creates burnout. And then it creates a space of, are you only talking to me about these issues because you see that I'm a person of color? Right. When it should be like, no, how, do we, how are we celebrating them? How are we engaging their narratives and understanding that all of their narratives are completely different? And so I think, I think more companies are being even more intentional about their workplace culture and understanding that some of the language um, can be hurtful, harmful, and hindering um, to underrepresented groups. I think one of the things too, you know, um, I had briefly mentioned to you in an, in the email is that uh, the construction industry is going through a really big labor shortage, and I would have mm-hmm. to imagine there are so many people entering the workforce who are going to be looking for this type of work. They're going to want to work for a company mm-hmm. that sees them, mm-hmm. sees what they can contribute, doesn't use them as a, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not just there because I fill this specific profile. You know, you actually want to mm-hmm. have me as a member of the team and, and help to, to change this mm-hmm. culture. I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you, I think you touched on this a little bit, but I, I want to kind of circle back to because I don't want to I don't want to ignore the fact that we just recently had the verdict come out about um, the mm-hmm. um, officer. I don't know how to say it. Um, Derek, Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm trying. I try so hard. I'm like I don't want to give him the <laughs> the, the uh, no. The, but the, I, 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 yeah, I understand because I, I was so many people saying the George Floyd trial. Mm-hmm. No, George Floyd's not on trial. No, he wasn't. Well, He's not on trial. They put him on. Derek, but anyway, Derek we don't Chauvin we don't need to go down there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> right. that's exactly. a whole another can of worms. <laughs> but my yeah, uh, my, that's my whole other podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, I I imagine you and I could probably do a series. There's so much to talk about. Um, I. I want to just touch, I think, a little bit on, so if people are going, I think they should, but that's really their choice. If people are, if people are going to start to do this type of work within their own companies, you know, these types of events keep happening. Um, you know, last week with the verdict re- regarding George Floyd's death, and obviously that affects members of our community in very real ways. Um, it should affect all mm-hmm. of us, but... Um, 
what what can people do as leaders of their company to help kind of foster this inclusive workforce to help their their team members um, process or or support them in any way that they can? Do you have any tips as far as that goes? Absolutely. Um, I want to make sure I'm very very intentional because I know uh, when we think about um, solidarity, um, solidarity within the movement, right, and mm-hmm. allyship through movements is that. It, it wasn't just George Floyd. We have Breonna Taylor. The same day of the verdict, Makaya Bryan was also uh, murdered. You know, mm-hmm. we think of Adam Toledo, the Latinx young male from Chicago. You know, we we also have to think about our, um, you know, uh, people of color within the LGBT community, trans community, who we don't hear about what happens to them, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and also bringing up what's happening with our Asian American Pacific Islander community and how are we standing against hate. Uh, but I think it's very important for ending up trying to create the space to unpack what is happening. Because if you're not talking about it at home and you're not talking about it at work, that means that you don't have to talk about it at all. And so I think what, what, some, what some of the companies have to do is, one, create the space to first unpack what's happening. Come okay. in and just simply share what's going, how, what are your perspectives? But also letting people understand that there's a racial trauma and racial fatigue is real. Mm-hmm. It's real. When I think of the anxiety during that trial and anxiety and fear because of, of that burden, right? So I want you to put this in perspective, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I oversee an African-American culture center. Okay. And so this is the catch-22. I'm looking for a guilty verdict, right, mm-hmm. because of what's happened to people of color. But also understanding the fear is, is someone going to retaliate? Mm. Is someone going to retaliate against my center, against individuals who look like me that's that's the reality that people are navigating when i walk in a grocery store you don't know that i'm dr e when Mm -hmm. i get pulled over you don't know my credentials i could have been brianna taylor i could have been george floyd that's the level of empathy that we want our, our workforces to understand. Mm-hmm. But if you're not being intentional of getting to know any and everybody in your company, then you don't care about them as a whole, as people. Right. We have to think that we are people, right? And so when we think about that, we have to think like, wow, like now, you know, there was not a dry eye, uh, you know, when the, when the verdict came out. It wasn't a... You, it, you know, it, because it was so much built up of fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. But that comes with the that comes with trauma. That comes with the racial fatigue. And those are the spaces where I think companies have to understand is I navigate racial fatigue and trauma by simply navigating all the microaggressions by just being you. So I, and put that on, just by being myself. Mm-hmm. So how do you, as a CEO, a company, understand that? Do, how do you accept me and all of me and my identity? And so understanding that you should not just have one person in your company doing diversity, equity, inclusion work that doesn't just fall on your human resources department. It is not just the person who, you know, who, who's able to do this when it's available. 
this should be woven into everyone's job description. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're interviewing, how do you ask about inclusivity? How do you ask about working with various backgrounds? How do you simply ask, what's the area of growth around diversity, equity, inclusion that you may need more learning and support on? Oh, I like that. We have to start thinking, you know, and so those are things that, so then we can help develop our, our employees to know that you're not just coming here to do a job. We want to think about diversity, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion from the recruitment, the hiring, the promotion, the leadership, and developing even more global citizens. How are you developing a global perspective in your, in your employee? And that needs to be everyone's responsibility. But if you're not weaving that into the job description, your job posting, looking all, um, even in your hiring questions, you are unintentionally sharing with people that this may not be a place for me. This is a place yeah. that I may not feel like they're going to accept me. And so what ends up happening is people who do understand diversity inclusion or who come from a, a visible or invisible uh, identity uh, of difference or just a different walk of life, they're going to ask, so what do you do around diversity, equity, and inclusion? And if a company says, oh, that's a great question, it has <laughs> nothing to follow up, it, you can't go back to the company community service that you do once a year because now you're associating diversity, equity, inclusion as a part of charitable work. You oh, can't say, yeah. oh, I want to, we, we donate to this, you know, nonprofit. Now you're associating money as, as a way as being inclusive, as actually caring about diversity. So these are the things that I want us to think about is how are we responding that can even be oppressive. Because now those responses and some of those things are coming from a very privileged perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are, you having, are you having multiple month training? When you think about your evaluation process, how are you making sure that the language that's describing a candidate is not deeply rooted into a stereotype? So if you, you know, or how can I take up space and be you know, a, a black woman who's expressive and you not say, well, you know, um, Dr. Reed is very intimidating. Well, I've never seen her do anything intimidating. So how are we challenging that? Mm-hmm. Instead, leaving that as a narrative that that person now has to walk through it. If I speak, you know, you know I'm, a, I'm a plus size power black woman. So now if I speak up, I'm like, you know, I, you know, I'm feeling a little scared to talk to Tiffany about this. Or I'm feeling a little worried that she will lash out. No, that's loaded language. Loaded language that is perpetuating a stereotype that is centered around fear that's tied to my race and my gender. And what we have to do in, in our companies is being able to challenge that, but support the individual as they're learning. Challenge and support go hand in hand. Mm. And so how do I support you where you may be lacking with a blinder that's creating a barrier, but also supporting you through that, okay, this is, this is, where, we, this is where we have to think about next. Think of the, 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 uh, the, the impression that you're putting on that person. Now that's another microaggression that they have to unpack. And so what I think some companies have to do is understand this is everyone's involvement, everyone's involvement. I ask people and challenge people, look at your job description. Is it anything in there about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Is there anything in there about helping create initiatives, 
to support a multitude of different backgrounds and identities in our company. Where's your diversity, equity, and inclusion statement? And when I say statement, that statement should be always discussed. It should be next. It should be woven through your mission, vision, and values. And so, and being able, to, you should be able to see those words. But don't let those just be words. Yeah. This goes back to the act, the action part. The action part is being able to reevaluate what your company has been doing, what it needs to stop doing, what it needs to continue to do, and what it needs to start to do. So it's like a stop, start, continue exercise. Because there are some things that you could be doing that is extremely oppressive and extremely problematic. I think that I think those are some things to think about. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's great. I was just going to say, I think that that is a perfect place for people to start their work. And you've given so many, so many tips that people can, you know, start acting on right now. Um, And I just want to reiterate the fact that I think what's important is it's, it's, it seems like what you're saying is what's important is that this is a continual process. It's, it's, um, Mm -hmm. it's, that's not, it's not a one and done. No, this is a journey. This mm-hmm. is a journey. Yeah. You know, this is why I say every day is homework. Mm-hmm. Every day you're a student. Every day you're going to learn something different. Maybe we'll... so we have to get out of this mindset that if I create these things, we're done. No, <laughs> even more work has to be applied. I feel like we should have like a workshop with you at some point. People can go off and after you listen to this, do some homework and come back and we'll, we'll bring Dr. Reed back Absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> <I think> that... <laughs> Absolutely. Feel free. You know, I do consultant work um, awesome. for multiple different companies. And, um, you know, if anyone would like, you know, like to, you know, stay connected, they can always find me on LinkedIn under Dr. Tiffany Reed or uh, my email at inclusion P365. Um, you know, most people find me there, but uh, inclusion p365 at iCloud.com. Uh, but, you know, I don't mind helping support um, not just the company. See, I don't look at it just as the company. I, I am extremely passion, uh, passionate around watching you have your aha moment and understanding like, wow, hmm, I, I can do better because mm-hmm. everybody can. And if everybody has that aha moment, uh, and, and it might happen. It may happen immediately. It may happen later. But just think of the impact. Think of the impact. Yeah. And so I think it's it's, it's imperative to know that you know us working together as a collective and wanting to do and wanting to do this work. That knowing that there are going to be days when I'm extremely uncomfortable, extremely vulnerable. But that means that I am growing and learning and understanding different and understanding social identity development and understanding inclusivity and understanding people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really important. Which is, We work for people. Yep, we're, which is what we're all made of. These companies are made of people. So we, we will be sure exactly. to include your contact information in the show notes. So um, I think this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Before, before we wrap up, uh, we have a short mm-hmm. rapid fire round of questions that I thought I would just <laughs> run through and see what you're your brain, where your brain goes. So uh, mm-hmm. who is your hero or mentor? Oh, wow. Um, I would say <laughs> my hero um, and mentor, um, is it two steppers or is that okay? Yeah, sure. This is your oh, answer. Okay? You do you. Okay. Do you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, I would say uh, my hero um, is my little sister. Her name is Celestine Reed. She is a second grade teacher in Indianapolis. And watching her um, navigate <laughs> the virtual world with mm. second graders um, and going back in the classroom, you know, teach, this, week, this week is Teachers Appreciation Week. So if you know a teacher or you know your child's teacher, or just any teacher, please show some appreciation because mm-hmm. um, just what our teachers went through um, during this COVID pandemic. Uh, but she's my hero because she she pushes me um, to really stay aligned in my purpose and my passion. Uh, but the way you give um, really shows how, um, you know, her students, the people around her, uh, I, I, I admire her on a day-to-day. She's my little sister. I love that. So, yeah. Uh, and my and my mentor um, is a very 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 important woman who I recently just met um, here at Indiana State University. It's actually two of them. It's Dr. Candace Hinton and Dr. Mary Howard Hamilton. And these two women are pretty much a force to be reckoned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not just in this field, but the work, their activism, their passion around social justice, around social justice and um, their ability to do the work, not just in and outside of the classroom, but within the community, um, you know, it's like having conversations with them, I'm like, wow, they're like so amazing. Mm-hmm. But the way they pour back into you um, to push you to um, to find your light, you know, and I think that's where I have in doing my diversity, equity, inclusion consulting work is this is my passion and my purpose and it's positioned me to be able to help others and, having mentors who support me in my field and outside of my field is so vital. Um, and so, so Dr. Candace Penton and Dr. Mary Howard Hamilton are some amazing mentors. And I, I just get, I am so honored just to get, just to be able to work with them, but also have them as my mentors. That's great. And I, I, it just kind of solidifies what you were saying earlier about, you know, we never stop learning and you said you just met them. I feel like, you know, further proof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, that is a good one. Um, I think my biggest pet peeve is the word can't. Mm, okay. Um, because, the, and the reason why I say it's a pet peeve is because I really feel like anybody can do whatever they can, what they put their mind to it. And it doesn't have to look like somebody else's. So, uh, you know, and so it's like, I can't do it. No, you don't need to do it that way. You can mm. do it this way. And so that's really, really important to know that there's nothing you can't do. You can do it the way that best fits your learning style, your passion, and how you navigate things. Uh, so that's a pet peeve is when someone's, and maybe that's just to me, especially when someone say I can't do something. Um, but I, I like to tell people, you can do anything. And, uh, you know, I'm a person, I do identify as a Christian, but I can do all things through Christ. It's just so I just want to put, you know, but, you know, I, I definitely believe, you know, um, that word itself is so, um, it's such a norm now. Yeah. Uh, saying what you can't, what you can't do. And it's like, who said so? Yeah. <laughs> I love, that's such a good point. Who said you, ask that question. When you think, oh, I can't do this, who said so? Right. Who said so? Who told you that? And you're like, well, I, I don't know. Who told you that? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't know. Well, then it, it's not real. You can do it. 
That's great. <laughs> okay, last question is, uh, what media are you consuming right now? So, you know, book, TV show, movie, podcast, what have you. What, what are, what's, uh, what's your go-to right now? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, side note, when it comes to education, I'm reading a lot of other books around mm-hmm. research. Um, but I think a great book right now that's my go-to is, um, So You Want to Talk About Race? Mm, okay. Um, by, yeah, it's a great book right now um, that's really helping companies, individuals navigate um, the conversations around race because I feel like, you know, a lot of us, haven't had has has never talked about it, mm-hmm. and so because we haven't talked about it, how can I engage in that conversation in a very healthy, understanding manner? And so that's a great book um, that I have been referencing and having to use all the time. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think I'll link that in the show notes as well. I think that's a that's a great resource for people to be able to to pull out of their library mm-hmm. if they want to. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and your knowledge and sharing it with us. I mean, this has been educational for me, for sure. So hopefully it'll be Mm -hmm. helpful for others, too. And and just a good place maybe to start if if you have not you, Dr. Reed, but if if the listeners, you (laughs) haven't gotten a chance to, you know, start working on this this type of 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 inclusion, diversity, you know, all these good things that we need to be working on. So thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephanie. All right. Uh, For everyone else, again, this is Dr. Tiffany Reed. She's the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Consultant for Inclusion P35. I'm sorry, 365, not just 35 days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Stephanie Chizik, (laughs) Editor-in-Chief of Codings Pro Magazine, and as always, happy coding. Calling all Codings contractors. We have a great resource for you. Codings Pro Magazine provides you with the latest news, trends, and technologies for your coding needs. And the best part? It's completely free to anyone who signs up. Simply visit codingspromag.com slash subscribe. Codings Pro. Know what the pros know.